today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. And that's what's going to happen when you take yourself out of the will of God, even though it's a storm. Even though it's a trial, even though it's a severe testing and you're thinking to yourself, how long can I endure this? How long can I take this? How long does this have to go on? The mistake we make is to think that we can do better outside the will of God. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. Changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. It's easy to walk in faith when life's great, but what about when life gets hard? Where do we put our hope? As Pastor Ed looks at David's response to trials he faces, we see David viewing them through the lens of unbelief. He begins to believe the lie that Satan is whispering and compromising his decisions based on worldly wisdom. We're prone to make these same mistakes if we choose to walk outside of God's will. Remembering God's promises as you walk through hard times will strengthen you to walk in belief. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith David has been remarkable in ways that just cause us to admire him. In the midst of trials, it seems like every time he had a trial, he would take that trial and he would put it in the hands of God and God would turn it around for good in his life. God would just reverse the tables again and again. Saul trying to pursue his life, trying to get David into his clutches and God delivers Saul into David's hands again and again All things are working together for good to David, who loves the Lord. So we've come to admire him. But something happens in chapter 27, chapter 29, and chapter 30. There's a reversal. The man that we've come to admire has lost something. Something that made him great. Something that made him stand head and shoulders spiritually above others. Chapter 27, looking at verses 1 and 2. We'll be studying all of the 27th chapter, but we'll focus specially on the first two verses as we begin. 1 Samuel, chapter 27, verses 1 And two, but David thought to himself, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I'll slip out of his hand. So David and the 600 men with him left and went over to Achish the son of Makok, king of Gath. Now, just to remind you, Gath is where Goliath had grown up. Gath 
was where David had gone years before and acted like a madman to escape from King Achish. Suddenly, David is faltering. He's going back because something has happened in his heart. I want you to imagine with me that you happen to see a garage sale. Now, it's Satan having a garage sale. I don't know why we'd go, but we're going to go. He happens to have in that garage sale all sorts of things that he is selling that he has used against people to bring them down. Uh, You'll notice that he has this big container of fluffy stuff. It's called liquid pride. If you use it on someone and you use a little flattery, you'll set them up for a fall. And you go a little further in the garage and you'll notice that there's some garden implements. There's the rake of scorn, the shovel of jealousy for digging a hole for your neighbor. Then there's the tools of gossip and backbiting for tearing down another person. Uh, Then... There are all sorts of wares, and you notice that the prices are very high. It's very costly, but there's a sign that says, pre-approved credit, you'll have through eternity to pay. As you continue to go through, you notice one thing is high, highly priced. It's the highest items. In fact, there's two of them together. You have to use them together. They look simple. They don't look flashy. And then you go to Satan and say, why are these items so highly priced? He said, well, when I've used other things and they have failed, these two items most often succeed. He said they're called doubt and discouragement. Doubt will fill your heart with unbelief. And discouragement will get you to quit. He said, I've used this against the mighty and the small. And it works almost every time. He used these tactics against David. And David experienced the downward spiral of unbelief. The downward spiral of unbelief. What's the reason that faith departed and unbelief entered? What's the reason that David moved from slaying giants to running in unbelief from a king whose reign had almost ended? The reasons are interesting. The first thing that I've noticed is that David, let me give you a little background. David goes to Achish. Achish is the king of of the Philistines in Gath. And he winds up saying, listen, I'll let you move down to Ziglag. Because David didn't want to stay in the royal city. He said, why should I be a drain on you? David really wanted to operate covertly. He didn't want Achish seeing what he was doing. So he moves down to Ziglag. Now, I could picture David unpacking 
all of his items, all of his clothes and all of the things. And as he's unpacking, his wife, Abigail, comes up and says, David, I don't understand. Um, we were in the promised land, the land of hope and promise, walking with you, God and, and believing and trusting God. And, and now you're so fearful of Saul and we've gone into Philistine territory where they control the land Why? David, didn't you tell me that God was going to make you king? Yeah, I I told you that. But listen, God helps those who help themselves, you know. I I, I had to get out. Saul was about to kill me. But, But David, remember what you told me when you were just a teenager? The old prophet came and he had this anointing oil. And he poured it over you. And he began to prophesy over you that you would be the next king. And wasn't he the one who anointed Saul to be king? And that prophecy came true. And, and didn't he bypass all your brothers and just chose you? Yeah, yeah, but you know those prophets. Um, they get a little dreamy sometime. It, well, it may happen, but, you know, they can be a little uh, spacey. But, but don't you remember you told me about Jonathan? Jonathan was Saul's son, your best friend, heir apparent. And he said to you, one day you will be king and I'll be second. My father knows this and I know this. And Jonathan, your very best friend, the king's son, said, you're going to be king. Don't you think God's going to keep his word? Well, you know, we're we're friends and he really likes me and um, yeah. But David, don't you remember the day that um, I first met you and I kept you from shedding blood foolishly and the Spirit of God came on me and I began to prophesy that you would be king one day? Well, yeah, I guess I remember that. Don't you remember the day when Saul, you were... Right in his camp, you had taken his spear, the water jug. You, you kept your soldier back from killing him. And then you confronted Saul, and Saul stood up, and he began to weep. And he said, David, you're a better man than me. One day you'll be king, David. And he said that in front of all of his men and all of the armies. David, don't you remember the promises What was the problem? Why couldn't he lay hold of them? Why couldn't he stand on them and hold them in his heart? Chapter 27, verse 1 says, But David kept thinking to himself. I chose the New Living Translation because it expresses the Hebrew tense accurately. He kept on thinking, Saul's going to get me. 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 He filled his heart with negative self-talk. And he began to believe the lie that Satan was whispering. Satan has a lot of lies that he'd like to whisper into your heart and mind like to tell you that you won't reach the destination, that God's purpose won't be fulfilled, 
that it won't come to pass. David began listening. The author of Hebrews, and the scripture tells us that, first of all, what the concept, the principle here is this, you can't look at the promises of God through the eyes of unbelief. David looks at the promises of God through the eyes of unbelief. If you do, you won't be able to hold on to them, nor will you be able to stand on the promises. Hebrews tells us we have to be very careful lest our heart become unbelieving and lest we fall away. That's what's happening now. There's this downward spiral in the life of David. But there's another reason. There's something else happening in the life of David. The trials seem to be without end. Now, granted, he's on the last lap. David, hold out a little longer. The sun is going to rise. Saul is going to be killed on the battlefield. You'll be king. David, you're on the last lap. But as it is so often, people give up just before the day is going to break, just before the night is going to turn into dawn. And there David is, this long trial that keeps on going on and on and on. Now, when he had trials before, you know what he did? He would take them, lay them before the Lord, and God would bring good out of evil. God would turn the tables around for him. Again and again, God came through. This time, David does something very different. David doesn't pray. David looks at his trials through the eyes of unbelief. He looks at his trials through the eyes of unbelief. He thinks to himself, I am going to die. Surely he's going to get me. This is going to do me in. As you look at your trials, you look and think, it's going to destroy me. It's going to get me. Every trial is traced upon your dial, the songwriter wrote, by the son of love. See, God was making David. God was forming him on the potter's wheel. God was making him into the man that he was going to be. One day David would sit on that throne and God knew what he needed to allow David to go through so that David would be successful. So don't look at your trials through the eyes of unbelief. It will cripple you. It will take you down. I want you to notice that something happens. There are red flags that should go up in your mind and my mind when we're walking on this path of unbelief. When we begin to walk on the path of unbelief, there's certain characteristics what happens is we begin to take the way that seems right in our own eyes. In fact, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man. What are the characteristics 
of that way? What are the red flags that we should notice? Well, the first thing is that we begin to look at things, to look at life through worldly wisdom. Our decisions are made from a worldly perspective. In verse 1 again, David begins to think, the best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I'll slip out of his hand. Was he right? Yes, he was. If he would just get over that line into the land of the Philistines, Saul was not going to follow him there. Sometimes you wind up jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. And that's what's going to happen when you take yourself out of the will of God, even though it's a storm, even though it's a trial, even though it's a severe testing, and you're thinking to yourself, how long can I endure this? How long can I take this? How long does this have to go on? The mistake we make is to think that we can do better outside the will of God than in the will of God. That's worldly wisdom. Listen, escape. You'll be safe. Get out from under the pressure of that difficult relationship. Uh, Listen, take the shortcut, the easy way. To go this long, difficult road, man, that's going to wear on you, David. And David begins to listen to worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom is looking at our life from earth's perspective rather than heaven's perspective. It's seeing things from merely a natural, fact-finding human perspective rather than letting the divine look at your life and saying, from a divine perspective, ah, I see, I see. When we begin walking on that path, we are characterized by making decisions out of worldly wisdom, but something else. We're marked by compromise. We will compromise our devotion to God. Uh, The devotion to God is marked by compromise. Watch what happens. Here's a conversation with David and Achish. Then David said to Achish, if I have found favor in your eyes... Let a place be assigned to me in one of the country towns that I may live there. Why should your servant live in the royal city with you? So that day Achish gave him Ziglag. That's important. Verse 3 of chapter 29 tells you about how Achish felt because Achish was defending David before the Philistine leaders. Achish said in verse 3 of chapter 29, He said to the commanders of the Philistines, Is not David the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, who has been with me now for days and years since he deserted to me? I have found no fault in him at all. Watch what's happening. Here David is compromising. He's going into the enemy's camp. Now Ziglag belonged to Judah, but it was controlled by the Philistines. That geographical place that David was in spoke about the spiritual place that he was in. There are many Christians who go into the enemy's camp. They're still a child of God, but they're controlled by the enemy. 
There David is. He's living this life of compromise. Uh, He's making decisions, compromising his stand. The Philistines think that he's associated with them. He's committed to them. On the inside, he's still a child of God, but on the outside, he looks like the world. That's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. The bills will come due. You may temporarily relieve yourself from the stress, from the frustration, from the pressure. And maybe you just think it's only for a season. I'm only going to take a spiritual vacation from God for a week. Maybe a month. And maybe David thought that way because now he could sleep at night. He wasn't worried about Saul breaking into his camp. He wasn't worried about Saul making a sneak attack into the Philistine area. Now he was safe and secure, or at least he thought so. What happens is he's going to have to pay, and he's going to pay dearly for walking out of God's will, for compromising. Watch the destination. Look at this path. Here's where it's going to lead you. Once you begin by making decisions based on the world system, worldly wisdom, once you begin to compromise your faith, your walk with God, here's the destination. Here's the stopping place. Here's where you wind up. In Proverbs 14, 12, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end leads to death. Death. Spiritual, emotional, physical. Watch what happens to David. David, first of all, dishonors God. He dishonors God. He finds himself in a place of dishonor. Achish trusted David and said to himself, he's become so odious to his people, the Israelites, that he will be my servant forever. David loses his testimony. Remember, David, when you challenged Goliath in the name of the God of Israel? David, remember when you declared that there was only one God, Yahweh, and he would defeat the armies of the Philistines? David, you said years before, in fact, you penned it into a song, And your troops would sing it. What happened to the words you penned? The words you sang? Let me read them to you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh. When mine enemies... And my foes attack me. They will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. David, you said that. What happened? What happens is when we begin to walk in worldly wisdom and compromise, we lose our song. 
we lose our testimony. As Dr. Ed Jones continues to take us on a journey through the story of David, we continue to learn more about what a life lived for God can look like. David wasn't perfect by any means, but God used him in powerful ways, and he can use you too. We do hope that you've been blessed by today's message on Building in Faith and invite you to visit our website to learn more about our ministry. Our web address is buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll find an archive of previous messages available to listen to or download or even share with someone you feel will be impacted by the message. Be sure to find us on Facebook as well by searching for Faith AG2. We know how important social media is in people's lives today and by liking us on Facebook, you can keep up to date with all that's happening at Faith Assembly. We'd also like to invite you to join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area for our weekly time of fellowship, Bible teaching, and worship of our Savior. We meet each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and also on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and have many activities for all ages and all walks of life. Give us a call for directions and to find out more about our congregation at 845-462-5955. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us again here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues to dig deeper into the Word of God, sharing with us new chapters in David's story. Your word restores it.